Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the Score. Always appreciate you spending some time with us here, especially when we have a crazy week of NFL news like this one. And that continued today. We had the Bills replacing their offensive coordinator on Tuesday. Now today we got word Deshaun Watson out for the rest of the season. So we're going to be talking about that later. We're also going to go over some of the other quarterback situations that are evolving heading into week 11. And we got a great guest joining us as well. But before we bring him in, I want to share my three unapologetically bold predictions for week 11, courtesy of our friends at Captain Morgan. And my first bold prediction this week, Derrick Henry will finish as the RB1 overall in week 11. The veteran's been sharing snaps with the rookie Tajay Spears this season, but now Henry gets a Jaguars defense that he's dominated the last few years. Henry topped 120 scrimmage yards in four straight games against Jacksonville and scored six touchdowns during those contests. Plus, the Jags have been hit hard by top backs like Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara in recent weeks. So get ready for the Titans to lean on King Henry once again. My second bold prediction for week 11, Devon Achan posts a top 12 finish in his first game back. It's been five weeks since we've watched Achan suit up, so let me remind you what he was doing before he got hurt. 233 yards and four touchdowns against the Broncos, 120 yards and two scores versus the Bills, and 165 yards and a touchdown while playing the Giants. Now he's expected to return this week against a Raiders defense that's given up the eighth most fantasy points to running backs this year. And with Miami being 13 and a half point favorites, that Dolphins rushing attack should be in full force for this one. And then my final bold prediction this week, DJ Moore posts 100 yards and a TD versus the Lions. He's been held under 60 yards in five straight games since Justin Fields hurt his thumb, but now Fields is set to start again, and this duo is going to get back on track right away, because before he lost his quarterback, Moore went over 100 yards in three of his previous four outings, including that 230-yard three-touchdown performance in their last full game together, and his opponent this week, the Lions, they're the 10th easiest matchup for fantasy receivers, so make sure that Moore is back in your lineup. And those are my bold predictions for week 11, and I'm calling it with Captain Morgan. All right, let's get our guest in here, Mike Leone from Establish the Run. You can give him a follow on Twitter or X at Two Hats One Mike. And we've been doing this show for six years now, a little over six years, and we've had most of the top names in the industry join us. I'm very excited to add another one to the list today. So, Mike, welcome to the show, man. How you doing as we shift our attention here to the home stretch of the fantasy season? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Appreciate the invite to come on the podcast. So I'm, I'm excited to be here and talk some ball. Well, I delayed talking about the Bills offensive coordinator change on yesterday's show because I know you're a Bills fan just like me. I figured we would lead the show with it today. But this morning, we got even bigger news that came down. Deshaun Watson out for the season. He needs surgery on his shoulder. He also suffered an ankle sprain in that game, apparently, that comeback win over the Ravens on Sunday. But the shoulder was the real problem. And initially, that appeared like it would leave them with P.J. Walker at quarterback. And then we got another report a few hours later, Dorian Thompson Robinson, the rookie, they're going back to him as the starter. And it's possible that they could add somebody else in the coming days. But with the trade deadline over, I mean, there's not much on the real life waiver wire in terms of quarterbacks. It's going to be tough to find someone else unless we see like the Raiders or the Titans release, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo or Ryan Tannehill, which I don't think is going to happen at this point. So Walker, he wasn't great in his starts earlier this year, but they did win two of those three games with him playing the majority of the snaps. And the other one, they only lost by four points to the Seahawks. Meanwhile, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, he really struggled in his start, though, I mean, it was against the Ravens back in week four. 
he did look better in the preseason. So, Mike, I mean, what's your outlook here? So many moving pieces in this Browns offense. What's your outlook with Watson no longer in the plans the rest of the way and apparently DTR getting the start? Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, it's really tough for the pass catchers, particularly Amari Cooper. He, you know, I saw JJ Zacharyson tweet, but Amari in the Watson games this year averaging like 17.6 PPR points per game that dropped to 9.1 in the games without Deshaun Watson or the one that he missed the majority of. So uh, it's going to be tough sledding for Amari and it's tough division. They've got some tough games coming up. And I think the switch from PJ Walker to DTR is, you know, add some uncertainty, which can be a good thing in fantasy, but ultimately I think it's going to be tough, but I think the ground game should still be pretty fantasy viable. The frustrating part for Jerome Ford owners has been Kareem Hunt really siphoning off these goal line carries, even with Ford commanding the majority of the touches, but I think the offensive line's talented enough. This defense is really good for Cleveland that the offense should be in good enough position that they can still run the ball somewhat efficiently and generate some good fantasy goodness out of the backfield at least yeah in those walker starts i mean we did see some of the skill position guys perform well and it's not going to be exactly the same with dtr out there but cooper had a couple good games he had four for 108 in week six he had six for 89 in week eight uh, and Joku had five for 54 in week seven, four for 77 and one in week eight. And then Ford, you mentioned, I mean, 91 scrimmage yards in week six, had 94 and a touchdown in week seven, and then he got hurt in week eight. So they were still managing to produce. I don't know if they'll be able to do the same with Thompson Robinson out there. But like I said, it's hard to judge what he did based on the fact that he went against the Ravens, who are arguably the best defense in the league or one of the top two or three and the Browns defense certainly up there as well. And that's what was kind of carrying them in those games that they won without Watson. Yeah. And I think, you know, you mentioned Njoku's usage being pretty good in those games without Watson. I feel like he's a little bit more insulated than Amari Cooper, where you know, Amari, you're depending on some downfield accuracy, but they've been really run like the screen game through Njoku. He's had a pretty low dot this year, but, you know, he's very athletic. So he's pretty, very good at yards after the catch. So I think he's a little bit more insulated from the drop off in QB play than uh, Amari is. But yeah, it's still, I don't know. We'll see what DTR can do. I know he was pretty good in the preseason. So there might be some excitement that he can be better than, than PJ Walker was. Yeah, especially with a little bit of rushing ability. Maybe he could sneak into the low-end QB2 range or something. I have a little bit of hope for him. I mean, he was exciting based on what we saw of him as a prospect coming out. And then, of course, like we've mentioned in the preseason there, we'll give him another chance to see what he can do this week. So we have the Browns trying to fix their issues. Mike, our Bills are trying to do the same (laughs) here. And I guess it's time we have to discuss it. I mean, I put it off as long as I could, but the Bills have been struggling Now they're on the outside looking in at a playoff spot. And I joked about this when we were messaging back and forth yesterday, but sometimes things just line up perfectly without even trying because I asked you to come on the show like, what was it, like a month ago? And little did we know that our favorite team was going to be making headlines for all the wrong reasons this week, and we were going to have to talk about it. So everybody knows, you know, Buffalo had that embarrassing loss on Monday night to the Broncos. And they had to do something to shake things up. And that move ended up being firing offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey, putting Joe Brady in his place. And I don't think that that solves all Buffalo's problems by any means, but they couldn't continue on the same path that they were going down. So I guess from you, I want to know first, is this OC change a positive move for Josh Allen and for that offense? Or 
are we kind of just shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic this year? And obviously, no matter what your answer is here, we will put in that caveat that we're both Bills fans. So people should factor that into whatever we're saying here. (laughs) There's a little bit of Bills bias in here. You know, I was at that game Monday night, had had one second of jubilation when I saw that field goal miss, and I thought we had had won that game. But I feel... In some respects, I feel like we're just shuffling the deck a little bit and it's not going to make a huge change, the offensive coordinator firing. But on the other hand, you know, you mentioned things lining up perfectly for us to be talking about this right now. Uh, the Bills season and their offense in particular is the opposite of things lining up perfectly. I actually think they've performed better than it feels like it feels really bad when you look at the teams that they're losing to, like the Patriots, the Broncos, the Jets, you know, almost losing to the Giants. But you know, they're top five in a lot of advanced metrics offensively. If you look at things like yards per drive, offensive DVOA, you know, red zone efficiency, even Josh Allen, if you look at his pro football focus, turnover worthy throw rate, it's not that bad, you know, at least relative to the amount of turnovers that are occurring. So I think the biggest thing for the Bills, and I know people don't like to hear responses like this, is just having some better luck moving forward. I think this team is still a pretty functional high-end offense and the points are going to come when some of the turnovers just dial down and hopefully just regress to the mean. Yeah, that's a huge thing with Allen. I mean, it seems like every single game he's sitting in the press conference after talking about how they have to reduce turnovers and they can't let that happen. And then the next week he goes out there and it's the exact same thing. And some of it is, I mean, I don't know if it's overconfidence or it's, you know, him making some boneheaded decisions, but there are a lot of plays, even the the one fumble this week, right, where he lets go of the ball before mm-hmm. Cook has it. There's just some really foolish mistakes that they're making that if you're going to be a serious contender, you can't do that. I also think, too, that just like last year when the defense was, you know, if not the best defense in the league, one of them, and then Von Miller got hurt, right? And then you also had Allen get hurt last season. And I don't think people talked about that enough and how much that impacted them that he wasn't 100% in the second half of the year. Well, this season, you have two major injuries on the defense. You have Tredavious White go down, and then you have Matt Milano go down. And everybody knows Tredavious White is pretty good. His name has been out there for a while. Matt Milano is extremely underrated. I think he's one of the best linebackers in the league. And when you lose two players like that, it's tough to get the momentum. The defense certainly hasn't been the same since. I think that was the bigger problem on Monday night, that the defense just wasn't really able to get stops and shut down that Broncos offense. And then that makes it harder all around for that team. So, yeah, I'm I'm certainly worried. The schedule also, I mean, it does not help, right? They have a really, really tough stretch coming up here. And this is the Bills fan in me talking, but I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I checked, you know, the odds on DraftKings this morning. They're plus 200 if you want to bet them to make the playoffs. So it's, you know, they're, they're definitely dogs to make the playoffs. They have this game against the Jets that they absolutely have to win. But then you've got games against Philly, Casey, Dallas, the Chargers, home versus the Patriots, then at Miami. I mean, that's a tough finishing schedule when you've got to win five of those seven games. Uh, so it's going to be difficult for them. I think from a fantasy perspective, the fact that the defense has these injuries and you know they're not getting any healthier anytime soon is going to mean this offense is going to have to throw a lot. So I am you know, still optimistic from a fantasy perspective for Allen, Diggs, and and Kincaid, like continuing to to perform at a pretty high level because the team has no choice really but to air it out a little bit. And yeah, if they're going to keep up in these games against Casey, Philly, Dallas, like they're going to give up points. They're going to have to score points. And 
the coordinator change from Dorsey to Brady, I mean, I don't know how much of a difference it'll make. I think any coordinator that has Josh Allen, Diggs, and and that sort of talent, the you know, the offensive line in terms of pass protection has actually been pretty good. Like the floor is pretty high. So maybe you do uncap a little bit of ceiling, maybe some of the mistakes that have come at critical times start to get limited, and that could make a big difference in a hurry. So I'm still pretty optimistic, but for me, again, it's less about the coordinator change and me thinking Dorsey was terrible and more about, I think that this team like underlying is a, it just a better offense than they seem. And things have just really broken bad. And I'm not saying it's not their fault. Like they're responsible for those critical errors at the wrong time. But I think those, if you look at what's predictive moving forward, I guess is the way to put it. I think the turnovers are a little bit less predictive and the fact that this team can move the ball has a really high success rate. Good yards per play is a bit more predictive. We're barely scratching the surface here of all the quarterback news that's happened. There's been a lot of changes on that run. I mean, last week we had Kyler Murray come back and I think he looked pretty good in that game. I mean, 249 passing yards, no passing TDs. He did throw an interception, but maybe more importantly, 33 rushing yards and a score on the ground. And he finishes as the QB 12 on the week. And that's what I was more worried about, that coming off a serious knee injury, that he wouldn't be running as much. He was moving pretty well out there, though. Did you like what you saw from Kyler in that first game back? And are you penciling him in as a QB1 the rest of the season? I know we've had some injuries to some other guys, so it opens up a a few spots there. But do you see him as a top 12 guy the rest of the way? I was definitely encouraged by what I saw. I mean, you mentioned the rushing stats in particular, 6 for 33. He also had... I don't remember the exact result of the play, but he had a sack that he ran out of that really that crazy I run. Mean, yeah. Yeah. Like he, he had to be near a hundred percent to run out of that sack. And that that's one of your biggest concerns and red flags is coming back from the injury is, is he going to run? Like, you know, we, we don't want a guy back there that is a multifunctional quarterback. You don't want him to have to be a pure pocket passer. And we saw that's not going to be the case with Kyler. And then you also saw, you know, the playmaking ability on that scramble, you saw the deep ball to Trey McBride kind of gives him a jump ball late. And I'm excited. I'm excited for Marquise Brown too. I know Kyler actually missed Marquise Brown on a wide open touchdown in this one, but that's sort of been the story of Marquise Brown's season is yeah. uh, he's getting open, had a lot of near touchdowns, QB can't get him the ball. And I'm more confident Kyler can moving forward. So I think he's a QB one um, for sure. I know in the established to run rest of the season rankings, We've got him inside our top 10 QBs rest of the season. We've got him right at QB nine, kind of around, you know, the Tua Trevor Lawrence area. So I'm excited for him. And again, um, just reiterating, I think it's really good for Trey McBride and Marquise Brown moving forward. We got another star quarterback coming back from injury this week too. Justin Fields expected to start. And for him, it's not a knee, it's that thumb issue. And that could have a whole different host of problems, right? Because if he can't grip the ball properly, that is just a recipe for turnovers. But what are you expecting for Fields in his return? Is he going to step back in and be a, a fantasy difference maker down the stretch for the Bears? I'm somewhat reserved on fields you know you mentioned all the qb injuries so like he's definitely going to be a qb1 because you know just the available quarterback pool is not that great right now with all the guys going down but i think he's more like back end qb1 than he's going to be the top five guy that he was last year you know we didn't see him running like quite as much this season he was still getting to like eight ten rush attempts per game which is pretty good but Last year, I think he just had some unsustainable, insanely long runs like week in and week out. And without those, 
you know, you have to be a little bit more reliant on the passing game. And I think the two huge passing games he had against Washington and Denver were, you know, I don't want to say the fluke variety, but he caught those defenses at a really good time when Denver was still mightily struggling and Washington with their secondary, they made some plays on the ball late, kind of going for some high leverage plays and DJ Moore racked up yards after the catch. So I'm just a little bit more reserved on fields with expecting the rushing to be more aligned with what it was before he got hurt this season and less what it was last year when, you know, it was outlandish and amazing for fantasy. All right. If we're talking about quarterbacks here, I think we have to mention people's favorite story, Josh Dobbs. (laughs) I imagine the public will be mad if we don't talk about him. So uh, Dobbs coming off his fourth straight game as a top 12 fantasy quarterback. Nobody saw that coming. He does it across two different teams and he's fun to root for. It's a great story. And he could be saving the Vikings season right in front of us here. But is this magic going to run out at some point? I mean, is he going to continue to be a a fantasy starter like this? And he gets Justin Jefferson back soon. We assume that Jefferson's getting close to a return. That could help him too. What's your outlook for Dobbs? There's always a lot of guesswork in these situations. A quarterback we don't have much of a history on and playing for like his third team in the last year and a half or so before like really not getting any meaningful playing time. I lean on the optimistic side of things. I think, you know, the fact that he was able to be capable in some really bad spots for Tennessee the end of last year, for Arizona the beginning of this year is a pretty good sign. And he moves to Minnesota and it's a much, much better spot. You've got a really good head coach, um, a good offensive system in place. You mentioned Justin Jefferson coming back. You've got some skilled players with uh, Jordan Addison having a phenomenal rookie season. Hawkinson even playing through the rib injury looks completely fine. We saw the huge week last week. And the play calling too, like they're not holding anything back. You know, it doesn't seem like with Dobbs here. Just his first full week with the team and they had a positive pass right over expectation. They threw the ball in 60% of pass plays despite playing with the lead for most of that game. And it seems like if you listen to the coaching comments and Dobbs's comments, they are encouraging him to not, you know, use his legs and not forget about that. So I don't know if he's quite like a QB one, you know, it's tough to crack that, but I think he's a high end QB two rest of the way. And if you had Kirk cousins and a lot of these, you know, Richardson Watson, like all these guys, uh, I know I just picked up Dobbs in a super flex league and I was pretty thrilled to get him on the wire. Yeah, I mean, talking about some of these quarterback injuries, I mean, the teams where I had Anthony Richardson, where I had Kirk Cousins, I actually was pretty lucky to get this next guy that I want to talk about, and that's Dak Prescott. He has just been on fire since the Cowboys came off their buys, averaging 32 fantasy points per game over the last three weeks. That is by far the most among quarterbacks. That's like nearly six points more than the second place guy, which is Jalen Hurts. And there's a few reasons for it, including the schedule, of course, but they really don't have a bad matchup the rest of the way. So is Dak going to continue these performances? Because if he does, like that's league winning stuff. I'm on the Dak train for sure. I tweeted this out the other day, but if you look at pass right over expectation, which basically just looks at what a team's pass right actually is versus what it normally would be based on like down, distance, score differential, time remaining, things like that. The last three weeks, they had a pass rate over expectation of 15%, 9%, and 10%. To put that in perspective, since the start of 2022, the three highest pass rate over expectation games for Dak and Dallas are literally these last three games since the bye week. So clearly a conscious change in the playmaking with Tony Pollard not being as efficient as he was pre-injury. And 
the way that it's been successful too, there's really no reason for them to turn away from this strategy. So um, you combine that with the fact that they've always been a pretty fast paced team. I think in terms of like, you know, seconds on the play clock when they snap the ball or one of the quickest teams in the entire league each year. I was worried when they lost Kellen Moore, that wouldn't continue, uh, but it has continued this year. You combine that with a high pass rate. This is a team that's going to run a lot of plays. A lot of them are going to be pass attempts. CeeDee Lamb is on an absolutely another level right now. I think Dak's perpetually been somewhat underrated, honestly, if you look at his efficiency statistics as a real-life quarterback. So I'm really into the Dak train. I think it's going to continue, and he is, as you said, he's got the league-winning upside. And it's all coincided with the offensive line getting a little healthier. That was a bit of a problem early in the season, too. So, yeah, it's just everything really lining up for that Cowboys passing attack and for Dak Prescott to hopefully help me win some fantasy championships in those leagues where I lost my starting (laughs) quarterback. Uh, All right, that brings us to the rapid-fire section. So we're going to go a little quicker here. You can feel free to give some context if you want. But we will start with another Dallas question. And you mentioned Tony Pollard there. Do you think there's any hope for his fantasy outlook? Like I said, the offensive line getting better, so many good matchups coming up. Are we going to see something from Pollard down the stretch? I'm hopeful. You know, if you look at his expected fantasy points per game, it was definitely a lot better the first half of the season and they've adjusted. So a little bit of concern that the real high end outcomes are off the table, but he's just got to break a little bit better on touchdown luck. I mean, um, and I think that alone and just with the offense being as good as it is, is going to lift him up and he's going to be you know a, a low end rb1 maybe maybe more rb2 rest of the way but i think it'll definitely be a lot better than it has been i know you do the underperforming players lists over to establish the runs, so i want to tap into your brain for those uh, who's an underperforming running back that fantasy managers should target this week i like Bijan robinson who finally started to get a little bit more distance from Tyler Algier in terms of total carries last week and they used him around the goal line a bit more I think Arthur Smith's feeling the heat and um, the efficiency I expect to be really strong so combine that with the rising volume if people are frustrated with him he's a guy I like to go out and target all right we'll keep it going what about an underperforming wide receiver I like Jalen Waddle who I think always has like insane contingent value if anything were to happen to Tyreek Hill. He's also got the bye week behind him and just expecting more big plays out of him. We didn't quite see those the first half of this season, but we saw a bunch of them last year. And I think they're going to come over the second half of this year. And we'll round it out. Who's an underperforming tight end on your list this week? Tight end is a difficult one because there's not that that many good ones. I think um, I'll go back to Atlanta though. I think if you're digging like Kyle Pitts just has a level of talent that a lot of these back end tight end ones don't have. And I've been hanging on to that for a year and a half. So we'll see if it it continues to not happen. But I think there's at least some reason for upside here. Whereas most of the other tight ends, once you get past the top five or six, just there's just no way they're going to manufacture that type of upside. And then we'll finish with a couple questions that I like to ask all our guests. The first one is who's your favorite redraft stash at the moment? Let's go. Let's go Rico Dottle for, for Dallas. So like I said, I think Pollard's going to be a bit better moving forward. But if for some reason he's not and they start shifting some goal line work to Dowdle or if Pollard gets hurt or anything, I think he's one of the better stashes out there. A lot of leagues I'm in, you know, most of the top RB handcuffs aren't on the wire. He's one if you just look at the talent of this offense. I do think there are running back points to be had here uh, over the next, you know, six, seven games. And then the last one, which player is being overlooked heading into week 11? You can highlight anybody you want here. Who deserves that spotlight entering week 11? I'm going to go with uh, James Conner here. Second week back from injury. Pretty good matchup, I think, against Houston Dome game. It's a pretty high total game. 
And I think the workload here, second week back, could be a bit better than people expect. And there's always a little bit of a negative connotation with Connor. So I think he's going to go underlooked, but has the workload. And as we hit on with Kyler, like he's going to lift everybody up on that team. There's going to be more fantasy points available for everyone with a more functional quarterback. And there you have it, folks. That is all for today's show. Make sure you're checking out Mr. Leone's content over to Establish the Run. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at Two Hats One Mike. I really appreciate you doing this, man. I know we talked before the show a bit. I'm not sure how we didn't have you on sooner. You know, I just have so much respect for your work and no surprise. I mean, you're an outstanding guest as well. So thank you so much for taking the time, especially during the season here. And before we let you go, I like to give people a chance just to direct people towards any content that, you know, you might be working on right now. Anything over at ETR that you want to highlight? Yeah, check out Establish the Run, especially if you play, you know, daily fantasy sports tournaments on DraftKings and FanDuel. I do a show each weekend called Establish a Million with Drew Dinkmeyer, where we cover everything from a tournament GPP angle for DFS. So make sure to check that out. Excellent. As for me, I'll be back Thursday with the mailbag show. Uh, Friday, we'll do the injury updates episode. But until then, big thanks one more time to Mike. Big thanks to all you for listening. And we'll see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby. Said leave on time. Leave on time.